Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. A critical Pac 12 North showdown on the Palouse. And a new hoop season is set to begin. Covering both on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Thursday, October 14th, 2021. Hey there, how you doing? Great to have you with us on another episode of the show. Hope you've had a great week. And we have a lot of things to cover. Something for everyone on this episode of the show. I'm in Detroit, Clarity. Great to have you with us. A lot to do. A couple of special guests I think you're going to enjoy hearing from. Uh, on the football side, Cardinal cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly, the junior from Las Vegas, who has had a terrific season so far. And he'll be counted on, along with the rest of the Cardinal secondary, as Stanford heads up to the Palouse to face the Washington State Cougars. Card at 3-3, three and three, Cougs at 3-3. Three and three. So this is, a, this is a big and a critical Pac-12 North game at a huge part of the season. Can the Cardinal get a win heading off into their bye week? And on the basketball side, always great to catch up with Jared Haas, the head coach of the Stanford Cardinal. And it was even nicer this time around to actually do it live and in person. <laughs> coach Haas has, has joined the TreeCast on a couple of occasions uh, previously over the past year and a half, but both of those were via Zoom. But it was great to see him and hang out with him for a few minutes at uh, Pac-12 Men's Basketball Media Day on Wednesday of this week. You will hear that chat along with our conversation with Caillou Blue Kelly coming up a bit later on in the show. I'm Troy Clarity. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. The last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y. Year number 29 of following Stanford football. And in my eighth year of a Pac-12 Network play-by-play. Great to back the Pac. Great to be back in the Pac-12 Network uh, headquarters and the Pac-12 uh, uh, headquarters overall for uh, Pac-12 uh, Men's Basketball Media Day. I don't think I've been in that building since since the before times. So it was great to be great to be back in that building. Uh, a little bit of hoops, but also a lot of football. As what that's what we normally focus on this time of year. We will get you completely ready for everything you need to know about the Cardinal and their upcoming trip uh, to the Washington State Cougars. That game to be played on Saturday up in Pullman. 4.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPNU and, of course, on the uh, Cardinal Sports Network from Learfield. And, hey, the TreeCast is going to Pullman. Wait, we didn't go to Tempe, but we're going to Pullman? <laughs> All right. Okay, I might have, to have a, might have to have a word with our flight booker on that one. Oh, wait, the flight booker is me. Anyway, the TreeCast will be in Pullman this upcoming Saturday. Cannot wait uh, to be back out on the road and to bring you the sights and the sounds of what we see and hear on Saturday, but that's in the future. Right now, we're dealing with the run-up to the Cardinal versus the Cougars. We'll give you three things you need to know about that game coming up in just a brief moment or so. But first, as usual, a reminder that all eyes are on the gridiron 
as teams are back on for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new and updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, I'm sure baseball's in there too, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. I bet you need to know three things. For the Cardinal and the Cougars. In fact, let's get into it right now. Starting off with number one. And let's update some Stanford personnel for this one. Cardinal are expected to get a few players back this week, including kicker Josh Carty, wide receiver Bryce Farrell, and cornerback Zaron Manley. Safety Noah Williams, questionable again as of uh, Tuesday, but we'll see how he's looking uh, for Saturday. As for guys who are out, fullback Jay Simmons, tight end defensive end Tucker Fisk, and wide receiver John Humphreys. Those are all important losses in each of their own uh, respective ways. And oh, by the way, Stanford's starting to run low a bit on receivers. Haven't seen Michael Wilson yet. Of course, uh, Bryson Tremaine is going to be out for the foreseeable future with that injury that he suffered against Oregon. And now John Humphreys is uh, out for this one against uh, Washington State. Now, if Humphreys out this week, Silas Starr listed as the starting wide receiver opposite Elijah Higgins. After Wednesday's practice, I asked Cardinal head coach David Shaw what we need to know about Silas Starr. Uh, Silas had a great training camp, um, got banged up early on and missed some time, came back. He's done great on special teams. Um, he's a very good route runner. Uh, he doesn't look big because he's next to Elijah a lot, uh, which we all look small next to Elijah. Um, but this kid's 220 pounds. He's quick. He's a good route runner. He's got great hands. He's physical. Um, looking forward to him playing a big role. Looking forward to Bryce Farrell playing a big role. Kobe Bowman's going to play a role. Um, Jason Rain's going to play a role. You know, So I, I, I still love our receivers. We've still got great depth. Um, and, you know, the way Ben came along uh, last game, and um, I like where our tight end position is. So. We still have enough weapons. You know, we'll get John back for Washington, but we've got enough weapons. Hopefully, do some damage. Yeah, we saw Silas Starr late in the first half at Arizona State, and unfortunately, he had a ball carry him off of his shoulder pads that he couldn't handle, and that led to Tanner McKee's uh, first interception of three of the night. And you heard, you heard Shaw mention Humphreys is expected back for the UW game in a couple weeks. That's good news. Also, looks like Tucker Fisk will be back for the Huskies as well. And the hope is that wide receiver Michael Wilson and running back E.J. Smith will be back in the mix that week as well. Those will all be very welcome developments. Let's move on to number two. And a, a deeper dive on the Cougs is the Washington State's best offensive player. Might not be their quarterback. It's been a while since we've said that. Or any of their wide receivers. Might be their running back, Max Borgie. Borgie with over 300 yards rushing and three touchdowns on the ground so far this year, but but he was versatile enough and is versatile enough to be on the Doak Walker and Belitnikoff Award watch list to start the season. The Doak Walker Award given to the best college running back and the Belitnikoff Award given to the best wide receiver. David Shaw, certainly very impressed by what he saw of Max Borgie's tape this year. Saw 
exactly what we saw when he was coming out of high school. Um, compact, physical, explosive, quick, agile, great hands. Um, uh, just, you know, I didn't. I don't think he played last year. I think he opted out, but. Since he's been in this league, I think he's been one of the more underrated running backs uh, in the entire league. Um, but we all know about him. We've all seen him. I don't think that fans and people talk about him enough. I don't know that he's had the huge numbers this year, um, but you watch the film and this guy just breaks tackles and he's quick and he's strong and um, he's a pass protector. Um, I think he's one heck of a complete back. And Shaw certainly saw a lot of Borgie's high school tape because, as you might remember, Borgie chose Washington State over Stanford. Now, Borgie had actually committed to Colorado, then flipped to Washington State before Stanford made a big late push. Stanford was actually the school that he wanted to play for since age nine, and it didn't hurt that one of Borgie's idols, Christian McCaffrey, was also, of course, a big-time prep star in the, the, on the Colorado high school football scene, as was Borgie. But Stanford made the late push, but but Borgie chose the Cougs for then running backs coach Jim Mastro, who ended up going to Oregon before Borgie even played it down for him. Borgie ran for 111 yards for a score and caught eight balls for another score against Stanford in 2019. He could certainly be a key player again this time around. Let's finish up three things with number three. Which Pac-12 team has given Stanford the most fits over the last decade? Not Oregon, not Washington, Sure as hell ain't USC or Cal. It's the Cougs. Yeah, believe it or not, Washington State has beaten Stanford four straight times. The last time Stanford beat Washington State was 2015. And who can who can forget that crazy game? My goodness, the missed field goal with the buzzer and Stanford snuck away into the Palouse night with a big-time win. But as wacky as that one was, that's kind of been the norm for this series. David Shaw knows how tough it is for Stanford to beat the Cougs, especially up in Pullman. They're all crazy. They're all different. We played them on Halloween twice um, in the middle of the night. Played them in the rain and sleet. Um, you know, uh, played them down here. Uh, crazy games that come down to the fourth quarter. Um, but I think what you have, like, like throughout our conference, you have evenly matched teams um, that have talent, right? And their last couple quarterbacks were special and broke records and our NFL guys. And, um, you know, we've had a bunch of really good guys that have had big games. Um, so I don't see this as, as being any different. And chances are pretty good you'll see something you've never seen before when the card meet the Cougs. A reminder that, that last year's game was scratched uh, due to COVID issues for the Washington State football program at that time. Last time these two teams met, Davis Mills threw for 504 yards, breaking Todd Huzak's record, but Stanford's defense had zero answer for Wazoo, and the Cougs won 49-22. Uh, by the way, if you're worried about the weather up in Pullman this weekend, it probably shouldn't be a factor. Last time I checked, the forecast for Pullman on Saturday, sunny with a high of 66. I'll take it. Those are three things. We'll get back to uh, football in just a moment or so, including a uh, conversation with Cardinal cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly. Say that three times fast. But before heading up to football practice on Wednesday, I hung out at Pac-12 Men's Basketball Media Day up in San Francisco at Pac-12 headquarters. It was really great, as mentioned, to be back in that building. All Pac-12 programs bring in their head coach and a couple of student-athletes. And uh, given uh, how the conference fared 
in the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, Pac-12 Deputy Commissioner and Stanford grad Jamie Zaninovich. Boy, he had a pretty big grin on his face the whole time. It was good to see him and hang out with him for a moment or so as well. Uh, Stanford was repped by senior forward Jaden Dallaire, junior forward Spencer Jones, and, of course, head coach Jared Haas, who is in his sixth year now of running the program. I caught up with Coach Haas for a one-on-one, -on -one, and the first thing I asked him were about the lessons that he learned from Stanford's tough season last year <laughs> that's uh we don't have enough time to really dive into that <laughs> there um you know one of the things we preached last year and that we're certainly preaching this year is the idea of appreciation but also empathy um appreciating what we do have having empathy towards others about uh, the things they're going through certainly uh, mental health was a significant piece of um, what we went through last year i think we saw when from a basketball perspective when we were on the same page and um, kind of had a great uh, uh, group swimming in the same direction. Uh, we made some really special things happen. And some of the challenges, um, hopefully we can learn from this year that we don't fall in the same, into the same traps we, we fell into a couple times last year. But last year was full, full, full of opportunities to learn. And I think the guys that are returning this year uh, can apply those lessons and I'll help them you know, learn and apply those lessons to hopefully have more success. When you were watching March Madness uh, last season and watching the Pac-12 do what it did and have, have an impact as a conference that it hasn't had in the past few years, certainly, uh, looking at that, at the conference's performance, how does that potentially affect the dynamic for some things we might see up and down the conference this year in your mind? <laughs> I have no idea. It's a whole new <laughs> conference. Uh, in today's day and age, with the number of transfers and the, the different faces of teams, uh, there might be a team or two in our conference where you have a pretty good feel or uh, maybe that I have a feel, pretty good feel about how they'll do. Uh, but most teams are very different, different players, so many transfers in, so many transfers out, that it's really, in my, from my seat anyway, hard to predict how it's going to happen, which is uh, exciting for me, that knowing that hopefully our stability um, will help us and uh, our culture will help us uh, try and make waves. Yeah, what, what excites you most about the team you're going to put on the floor this year? Our culture, um, our togetherness. Um, we understand that we do have some talent. We understand we're very young. Uh, we understand that if we can can get everybody on the same page and and uh, you know execute all those cliches that we all know, playing together and passing the ball and uh, doing what the coach says, I think there is a high ceiling. Um, but we have a long way to go between now and there. Jaden Delaire and Spencer Jones, the two young men that are here representing Stanford along with you, are here at Pac-12 Men's Basketball Media Day. I'm sure they're going to be counted on very heavily this upcoming year. Uh, fantastic moments for each of them coming into this season. What are you expecting from them? What's on each of their respective plates uh, in this upcoming campaign? Yeah, they're going to be two important pieces of, of this team. Uh, we will rely on them, but um, I don't think there's going to be any single person that we are going to uh, – uh, you know, just rely on. Um, both of them are going to be able to impact the game in different ways. Uh, we expect them to be stable and leaders. Uh, and then on the court, have consistency with their effort and their attitude, and I think we'll get that. But they're both very talented. Um, they have high character. They're going to be fun to coach. Um, and for us to have a really good year, yes, they're both going to have to have solid seasons. Tell us about the new faces on this squad that we can expect to, uh, to get to be introduced to this year. Yeah, we have uh, four new faces. Jarvis Moss, a freshman from uh, North Carolina, can really shoot the basketball. Fantastic kid, working hard, uh, learning the game well. 
Maxime Renault from France, mm-hmm. uh, seven feet, uh, skilled, long, uh, can do a lot of different things. He's made a really a, a nice first impression uh, with the group. Issa Silva is a point guard from Sacramento who uh, really makes everybody around him better, has good size, uh, excellent passer. Um, I think it will be a better passing team partly because of him and because of the fourth freshman, Harrison Ingram. Um, Harrison has great size, uh, physically ready to compete at this level, uh, highly recruit, a highly recruited uh, guy out of high school. Um, and maybe the thing he does best, and he does a lot of things, um, but the thing he does best is make others better. We're not quote, we're not at 100% back to normal just yet. We're still in this, still wearing masks indoors and all those sorts of things, but certainly things are a lot closer and a lot more normal now than they were a year ago. Given that, how much has that helped the team be able to prepare for the year ahead? Well, it's really nice. We're not on a tennis court, you know, worried about the wind when we shoot the basketball or, or you know, getting uh, injuries uh, on a surface that's not a hardwood floor. Uh, we're, we're in a gym. We're able to work out. We're able to uh, proceed as, uh, as normal as can be. So those are really big steps, and it sounds a little bit silly, but the reality is um, last year uh, from the spring to the summer to the fall, um, we did not have a chance to prep. You know, in the weight room, we didn't have a chance to prep uh, properly. Um, two years ago, there were seven games missed by my entire team. Last year, there were 47 games missed by individuals. And so uh, through injuries and other things, um, we didn't have our team out there. I'm hoping this year with proper preparation, uh, knock on wood, we can have a healthy group, a connected group, and hopefully we can get guys out on the floor. And I'd imagine that also has a positive effect on the chemistry side as well. I know Spencer and Jaden were talking about uh, in glowing terms about the chemistry uh, on the squad. What's your sense uh, of how the guys are, are meshing and getting along at this point? Well, yeah, it's great right now, but the reality is everybody's competing for minutes, but nothing's been dished out yet. So there's, you know, for each individual, there's a great deal of optimism. They're playing hard, they're competing. Um, and the truth is the true answer to that question will happen after we give out minutes in games. And uh, at that point, we'll find out the answer. I'm extremely optimistic that the chemistry and the cohesion is going to be very high. All right, as we wrap this up, for Stanford to do big things in the Pac-12 this year, what are the things at the very top of your list uh, of the things that need to happen for the Cardinal to be making big time noise and, and perhaps in the mix for a Pac-12 championship this season. Yeah, on the defensive end, we need to be really good. The last two years, we've been excellent uh, statistically on the defensive end. Uh, we won't have the overall quickness or athleticism, but we will have good length and a good plan. Um, on the offensive end, in simplest terms, we need to make more three-point shots and we need to stop turning the ball over. Uh, I think with our skill set, our passing overall, uh, will help both of those things. And if we do that effectively, I think uh, I think it could be a fun year. Sounds like a formula to me. Can't wait to see how it all unfolds uh, starting off early November. Man, Hoops is almost here. Looking forward to it. Coach, thanks a bunch as always. Best of luck. We'll talk again soon. Best of health to you and the squad. Thank you. Always great to catch up with uh, Coach Hass and uh, certainly uh, super appreciative of his time. And again, great to, uh, great to do it in person. Uh, we haven't had a chance to do that for the past year and a half. And looking forward to seeing those freshmen. Uh, Ingram, by the way, already listed as a possible starter for whatever that's worth, so we'll see how that goes. Cardinal picked to finish ninth in the Pac-12 this year. UCLA was was picked to win it. Makes sense. All their starters returned. Johnny Juzang in the mix. Um, Jaime Jaquez. Uh, those are some those are some great ball players, and they certainly showed it uh, during their fantastic NCAA tournament and Final Four run last season. But the card, even though they're fit, picked to finish ninth, still a lot of hope and excitement, and that was. 
one of the big takeaways for me being at Pac-12 Men's Basketball Media Day, everyone's happy and hopeful and excited right now. Then again, that being said, most of the teams have barely started practicing, right? <laughs> you know, things haven't. And, and even Jared Hass mentioned this when, when we were talking with him. We, you know, we haven't started. Everyone's happy now. Everyone's cool now. But uh, let's see what happens when we start dealing out minutes. <laughs> let's see how, how, how players start to react to that. And I uh, bumped into a, a Pac-12 uh, hoops analyst and expert uh, during the festivities and uh, we started talking. He said, yeah, Troy, you know, everyone's happy now. Everyone's cool and things are great now. But but let's see what happens come December when all of a sudden the coaches all, uh-oh, we can't defend. <laughs> things change once the season actually begins. Uh, and it was also kind of neat to hear the different mantras for everyone and different themes that that are kind of kind of emerged uh, from, from each of the teams. Uh, Stanford's goal this year, according to Jared Haas, be awesome. Okay. I like that. Be awesome and, and live in the moment. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. Just, just do what you can today and be awesome along the way. Uh, Washington State, a team picked to finish eighth in the conference, but but a lot of the, a lot, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say a lot, but there's more than a handful of folks in the know who said eighth? Really? That's way too low for the Cougs to be finishing in this year. But their head coach, Kyle Smith, uh, theme for his program, winter's coming, right? <laughs> winter is coming. And that's more of a message uh, to the Pac-12, the rest of the conference, than anyone else. Winter's coming. You need to come up to Pullman. Washington State's going to be a tough out. And uh, Utah, uh, with, uh, with, their, uh, with their new head coach, who was uh, very exuberant and had a lot of excitement, had a lot of energy, it was kind of neat to – uh, to, to be in the room with them a little bit, but the the, the Utes mantra for, for this year is G-A-T-A, which stands for get after their butts. Big fan of Colorado's Evan Batty. Uh, I was a big fan of his before, but an even bigger fan now. Uh, hear, hearing him talk about his story and about how he's picking up the uh, picking up the reins, the leadership reins from McKinley Wright. Boy, what a great player he's well he was uh, for the Buffs. And uh, I, I don't know how good Washington's going to be. Dejon Davis, by the way, the former Cardinal, now a Husky, is a graduate student. But uh, UW's Nate Roberts, that's a big, big man. Six foot eleven, two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Good grief, that's a big, big dude. He's He could be a potential handful for everyone else in the Pac-12. But, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to be a part of. Um, what wasn't able to make the, uh, the Women's Basketball Media Day on Tuesday, unfortunately. Would have loved to have been there for that one. Uh, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that Tara Vanderveer was, was, uh, was, was, was her usual self. Um, and that's a great thing. Uh, but I uh, wasn't able to make the Women's Basketball Media Day on Tuesday, but it was fun to be a part of the Men's Basketball uh, Media Day festivities. Awesome catching up with Casey Jacobson. You might remember when he caught up with us and was our special guest uh, on the TreeCast back in February, if my memory serves me correct. Awesome chat with him. If you want, go back in the vault and uh, check out uh, that conversation. And it's always, it's always great to see Mike Montgomery and uh, share a laugh or two with him and uh, various other folks who will help bring you a Pac-12 men's basketball. Season's almost here. Season is almost here, and it'll be here for real. They'll, they'll be tipping off the ball and, and running fast breaks and all that stuff starting November 9th. 
against Tarleton State. That should be fun. That should be fun. Looking forward to uh, getting back in a basketball state of mind. Uh, Meanwhile, back to football. Stanford football getting on the plane, heading up to Pullman this Saturday afternoon. And the position unit for the Cardinal that I think has answered the most questions so far this season, the secondary. And uh, that unit this year has been led on the field by Caillou Blue Kelly, the junior from Las Vegas with two interceptions. And he's perhaps been Stanford's best defensive player. And if you made the case that uh, Caillou was was perhaps Stanford's best player overall six games in, I wouldn't argue. I would not argue with that at all. Caillou Blue Kelly and the Stanford secondary about to face a big test at Washington State. How's he feeling about things? Well, I caught up with Caillou after Wednesday's practice, and he started with, with his snapshot on where Stanford stands right now. I mean, as a defense, you know, I'm just really proud of our secondary. You know, our secondary has really stepped up with some dudes down. Guys like Jaden Slocum, Nick Toomer, um, Alakai Gilman, uh, Jimmy Wyrick, just guys that stepped in and really came in. As far as myself, I'm just proud of those guys going in to step the role and just playing like they are. Um, I'd say just how the season started, you know, I mean, for me, it was just a great challenge going against receivers like Drake Linden, uh, going against different teams. Uh, playing some nickel was fun, Kansas State, stuff like that. I like that type of thing. Playing inside, seeing the game a lot more. Coach Keenan has really um, trusted me to do that, so that's really exciting too. But as far as the secondary goes, really proud of those guys. They're doing a great job. Team-wise, overall, six yeah. games in, we're now heading to the, into the back half of, mm-hmm. of Stanford slate. How would you take stock of how things have gone overall for the squad to this point? I mean, you know, every team's going to face adversity, you know. I mean, of course you want to win all. We want to be 6-0 and right now. But, I mean, it's this is the point in the season where you can end up honestly going like 4-8. and eight. You know, you got to come with it like 3-3. Three and three. I mean, it's a real balanced time where you can go 4-3 and three next week or you can go 3-4. and four, And then that really takes a mentality towards the team. But I feel like the team is really stepping in and just knowing that taking the mindset of we got to win, we got to win out, win every single game, take it week by week like it's 1-0, 0-0, get 1-0 this weekend. But, yeah, that's the mindset of the team going into this game. Secondary, I think, and you've touched on this a little mm-hmm. bit, has been terrific for the most part uh, this season, especially considering that it hasn't been all hands on deck for the mm-hmm. secondary really at any point yeah. uh, of, the, of the season with McGill out and Salim turner Muhammad mm-hmm. unavailable and a couple guys also dropping off um, as well. Yeah. How have you guys been able to hold it together, especially with, with some of the youngsters like Jimmy Wyrick coming mm-hmm. into the fold and doing yeah. well? Yeah, it's mainly just the extra work we do in the film room. I mean, these guys have been harping dudes with questions. Jimmy Warwick, I mean, he's like a little gnat. You know, he's always asking questions, trying to get the lowdown on what's going on. And, like, other guys like Jaden Slocum is the corner of number 36 and 20 based on the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Toomer, another guy who just stepped in. They just really just tried to ask questions to guys like me, guys like Kendall, uh, Noah Williams, guys who've just done it for so long, ask us so many questions so when they go out there, they can just play fast and play physical like they need to. That, that picture of you celebrating in the end zone against USC, be honest, yeah. that's like your wallpaper on, on like your computer or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, actually it is on my computer. You said that, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was real dope for me because my dad played at SC, you know, just to do that in front of him and back at his home, is uh, it was great. So it's just a memory for me forever to keep with. But yeah, definitely my home screen on my computer, actually. That's funny that you said that, yeah. yeah. Take, take me inside the mentality of a cornerback. Uh, some big plays yeah. that go for you mm-hmm. and go against you. I think John Facenda, the great NFL films knowledge from back in the day, you know, one-on-one, the battle where the, lead, where the loser bleeds alone on an open field. Yeah. That's happened to you throughout mm-hmm. the course of this year. For Big sure. plays against Kansas State and USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a tackle against uh, Oregon that you'd like to have back that mm-hmm. led to a big play. Mm-hmm. Mentality-wise, how do you have to maintain 
the, the, the short memory that, that, that you have to have when you play in this position? Yeah, I've been taught ever since I started the position, you know, I go by good play, bad play, next play. You know, you got to have short-term memory no matter how good the play was or how bad the play was because, you know, <laughs> football game's still going. If you're thinking about the last play, they're going to hit you on another one and another one and another one. So I like it because, you know, it just treats me like in life, you know, something bad's going to happen. You just got to go with it. You got to keep going. So good play, bad play, next play. That's pretty much how I derive my mindset playing this position, the whole thing. I was talking to Coach Aquina earlier this year, and he mentioned some things that I didn't really realize and didn't really think about until I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, you think about coordinated units, you think of the offensive line, mm -hmm. where five guys work as one. Mm -hmm. Secondary is a bit like that as well, mm -hmm. and it's something I didn't really think about, but it, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Kind of take me inside the amount of coordination that the secondary has to play with the amount of communication, you know, the unit, you know, guys being in the right spots, not just the corners, but the safeties. Just kind of take me through that. Yeah, the way our defense is kind of like structured, you know, it's it's all about communication because based on the formation that the offense gives us, you know, the corner will be playing one way and the other corner on the other side will play in a whole different way just based on the communication of what we're seeing and how the game plan is that week. So let's say we get a three by one and we're running cover three, that corner to the trip side on wide one might be in a match. And that other corner's playing a cover three based up. And that's just with communication with the safety. And it takes a corner too, because the main thing Coach Kena harps on is like, safety tell me what to do for a corner is not how we do things here. You got to know what's going on because you can be in the same situation where you might not have to take that guy all the way across because you got to stay in this zone. So you got to tell the backer, hey, take this, I'm going to take the one going vertical. So it's everything like we're talking crazy out there during the game. You guys can't hear, of course, but we're communicating from backer to D-line, from safety to D-line, from safety to backer, corner to backer. It's just a whole communication out there. It just makes things process well. Yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. Bishop Gorman, right? Yeah. yeah That's an athletic powerhouse program. What was it like coming up through, uh, through, through that program, and how did that – but maybe uh, pro, you know, pro, pro start, set you up for, for your experience here. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, Bishop Gorman is college prep. I mean, like, everything we do here, period, stuff like that, it's nothing new to me. The same stuff was going on. The intensity in those, like, first four games, we would play the top ten teams in the nation, you know, and the Pac-12 is the same way. You're playing somebody good every single week. So that whole way of I've approached football, going from a really competitive high school program to power five football, nothing really changed my mindset. It was really easy for me to adapt, knowing that you gotta compete every single day, even more now, because everybody's good. Mm -hmm. Everybody's good right here. There's no, like, you know, some guys who aren't as good, people aren't as crazy, the athletic, like, um, sorry, the athletic like space, you know, somebody's not crazy athletic and just dominating everybody else. Everybody can dominate at this level. So it just takes you to a different level. But yeah, Bishop Gorman for sure prepared me for this level immensely. Great school. A couple last questions for you here. This year, obviously, it's not 100% back to normal, mm -hmm. yeah. but it's a heck of a lot closer than it was this time last year. Yeah. In-person classes and all those sorts of things. How much better have you felt this year yeah. being so much more close to normal than we were this time last year? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's start with the football side, you know, just having fans. You know, college football is just a great atmosphere. And we have fans, that energy just helps you want to play the game and want to make plays in front of people and stuff like that. And without them, you know, it was just a big, like, you got to come with your own juice. You know, if not, then you'd be really dead out there. It's hard to play with no fans. It's no, like, crowd or anything like that. But this year, you know, it's, it's, it's great, you know, having a – overtime game against Oregon and having all the fans there, the um, fans storming the field, that's just what college football is. You know, that's what kids dream for, and you just love that type of thing. And uh, Zoom school, not a fan. Terrible. It's on the school side, yeah. Zoom school is not it, man. I love being back in the classroom. It really forces you to focus. But I'll say that much, yeah.
going up against these receivers in practice every day, and I'll throw Ben Urosik in there too because he's coming off just a, a, a real eye-opener of a game uh, that the whole nation got a chance to see. Can't be easy going up against those dudes in practice every single day, but on the other side, I'm sure it helps you guys out a lot. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Mondays are usually our days where we get to go one-on-ones, ones against ones, and we really just – it's competitive. You know, I love it. You know, playing inside against Ben, Elijah Higgins, uh, Bryce Tremaine, you know, he'll get better soon, of course. But um, guys like that, you know, I just love it because it's just, it's just fun, you know, competitive. Those guys like to compete as much as I do, and it's just – you love going head-to-head with those guys. But, yeah, Ben Urosik is a freak, freak athlete, man. <laughs> He's long, fast. He just really surprises dudes out there. He's a great tight end for us. The future. Yeah, definitely. That's what we call <laughs> The future, yes sir. Yeah, then the future. All right, as we wrap this up, let's talk about the Cougs getting on the plane, going yeah. up to the Palouse, mm-hmm. playing in front of those fans. Weather's supposed to be great. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. But an intriguing scheme, as usual, in Washington State. Slight sure. difference, obviously, from the things that Mike Leach was running, but mm-hmm. but still maybe a lot of you know the, the same overall concepts, perhaps. From the coup, from from your standpoint, from your perspective, what are some things to watch from the Cougs uh, offensively? Uh, mainly, I mean, their quarterback he's dynamic. You know, he'll make something happen out of nothing. You know, he's got a good arm. Uh, he reads well. His scan offense. You know, he's gonna read both sides of the field. Um, their slot receivers are dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, they're fast, quick. Like to get them in space. Like to get them on option routes. Use their quickness to their advantage. And they got some good guys on the outside who can go up and get the ball as well. And I feel like what Wazoo does in a great well. They play to their personnel very well. They give guys routes that they know they're gonna be good at they know they're going to do perfect well and I think uh, going in you know you can study these guys for sure you know they have tendencies just like every single team you can study them get a beat on them but I think it's fun playing Wazoo every year Mike Leach or not you know they're going to pass the ball it's going to be a fun game of course and um, we got some stuff coming for them on defense that's going to be real great I like it a tease what we call in this business I (laughs) like that looking forward to looking forward to seeing it Caillou thanks a bunch always appreciate the time Enjoy watching you play. Best of luck. Best of health the rest of the season. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, good stuff with uh, Caillou Blue Kelly. Really uh, enjoyed uh, chatting and catching up with him. Just every bit as much as I've enjoyed watching him play and watching him develop. We saw some stuff from him from him his freshman year, and you kind of went, oh, okay, all right. There, there might be some things there. And this year, this year he's blossomed into a legit shutdown corner. And uh, he says he says Stanford's got something for Washington State. <laughs> okay, all right. Looking forward to seeing that with my own eyes. Stanford, Washington State, and this will be the first time that David Shaw will be squaring off against Nick Rolovich. Of course, the Cougs' head coach, Mike Leach, has has gone off to the SEC now down at Mississippi State, of course, and. And last year's game, of course, uh, did not happen due to COVID considerations within the Cougs program. So it's Rolovich running the show, and it's not the same old air raid. There are some differences. Nick Rolovich runs a bit more of a run and shoot uh, as, as far as his main scheme is concerned. Uh, so there are some there are some differences between uh, for, from what you might be used to when you think of Washington State football, in particular. The run-pass option game, the RPO game, as coaches call it these days, where you know the quarterback has the option to hand it off or keep or, or, or pass the ball. Everything's built in into the play. Washington State's RPO game, pretty dangerous. David Shaw with more thoughts on that. Um, a lot of people go RPOs and throw slants, and these guys go RPOs and throw it over your head. I've uh, been doing it since he was at Hawaii, and it's impressive. Um, so, you know, if you get caught looking back at the run, 
you know, you don't give up a, an eight yard slant, you give up a 40 yard touchdown. So handling their RPO game uh, is going to be huge. Yeah, that's certainly something that uh, will bear watching, of course, when you have a back like Max Borgie, who is as versatile as he is, you know, you, you actually have to account uh, for a running game for the Cougs. Couldn't really say that for much of the past decade with Mike Leach running the show, uh, where it wasn't uncommon for Coug quarterbacks to be putting the ball up, you know, 60, 70 times a game. Uh, Connor Holiday, didn't he throw it 89 times in the game, I believe, against Oregon a few years ago? 89 times! Highly unlikely that you'll see that this time around with this scheme, and especially when you've got a, a, a back like Borgie who can bring the pain, bring the thump with his running style, and, and make big plays as well. So that certainly helps bring a facet uh, to this uh, Washington State offense that Stanford hasn't had, quite had to deal with over the past few years. Now, over to the other side of the ball, as usual, and even though there are some slight differences from, from when the speed D was, was at its peak under then-defensive coordinator for Washington State, Alex Grinch, some slight differences, but still, you know, Washington State overall defensively very quick and very active, especially up front. They're not the most physical set of guys you're going to come across. You know, they're not just a bunch of big blocks of granite that you're going to have to try to figure out ways to move around. But they're quick and they're active and they get to the ball fast, 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 fast. How do you combat that? Cutback running might be a great way to do that. And that potentially is custom made for Nathaniel Pete, whom I right now is Stanford's best running back. And quite honestly, that's something I didn't quite expect, expect to say throughout the course um, of this season. But Nathaniel Pete has, has looked very, very good for, for, for much of the season. Not still against UCLA, but that was more of an issue with what was happening up front than any of uh, Pete's own struggles. Very impressed with how Nate Pete uh, has been able to uh, develop uh, throughout the course of the season. So with Pete, a bit of a cutback specialist. Perhaps that's a great way to combat Washington State's quick and active defense. Let make have, have their quickness and their activity work against them. Get them flowing one way, and then all of a sudden, boom, the ball goes the other way. Also, this is a big test for the offensive line. Another one for Stanford. As you get that quick and that active defense, can the offensive line adjust? They've been out quicked on a few occasions so far this year. And I think back to uh, the game against Colorado in 2020. They were quick and active. And they just simply out-schemed Stanford up front. With their defense, their front seven was always in the right spot at the right time before the Stanford offense could even get there and get their running backs going. Washington State defensively seems to be capable of similar things. I'm a big fan of their uh, linebacker, Jihad Woods, by the way, number 13. Been watching him for... Uh, for a few years. Big fan of big fan of Jihad Woods. Oh, by the way, something else as we go back to the running backs for Stanford and things to watch for, for from them. It also helps when you can hang on to the rock. Nathaniel Pete has had this imposed upon him by the Cardinal coaches. Their defense is very good as well. Uh, our coach made a note that they have seven forced fumbles already this year. So ball security is something high. 
this week. And so just making sure we have two hands on the ball and that we're being smart with it is something very high this week. Yep, got to hang on to the football. Not much else happens if you don't do that. Now, of course, the Stanford running back room still not completely up to full strength with EJ Smith still on the shelf for now. Uh, looks most likely that he'll be back uh, for the Washington game in a couple weeks as we covered earlier in the show. And I think this offense really misses EJ Smith. The different things that he brings, the different places he can line up, the different places around the football field that, that he can be effective. Put him in the slot. Put him out wide. Line him up in the backfield. Put him in motion. He gives the defense so much more to think about. And it appeared that before his injury suffered late against Vanderbilt, that, that EJ was, was kind of playing a bit of a role. Given that, during his weekly media Zoom on Tuesday, David Shaw, I caught his ear. I said, hey, coach, um, how, how has this offense been coping without EJ Smith? and that role that apparently uh, he was filling at the time? Tough to answer um, because we have a variety of people that um, have skills. And some of those things we did with EJ um, as a receiver, Casey Filkins just did in this past game, um, caught a couple balls, um, did a nice job. Um, some of those routes, uh, Eli uh, Elijah um, ran for us yeah, as well. So um, that's not saying that we haven't missed EJ. I think we really have. I think EJ was really kind of coming into his own and uh, was, was probably going to have a little bit bite, a bigger bite of our apple. Um, and hopefully when he comes back, that continues because um, we think that his skill set is very, very impressive. Um, so we'll continue on. I know Casey Filkins came back last week in a bigger role, um, had another 15-yard punt return. He's got a chance to be special back there as a returner. Um, but also we'll have a bigger piece of our of our offense as well, um, much like he did last week. You know, got some in the backfield, got some runs, did a great job of pass protection, also came out and, and did some uh, some pass receiving for us as well. That's David Shaw. And uh, so, yeah, without E.J. Smith, time for Casey Filkins to step up. We've seen that a time or two this year. And, and Bryce Farrell a little bit um, a, a, as well, even though Farrell is, is a bit more of a wide receiver. But... We have seen him go in motion, line up in different spots throughout the course um, of the season as well. So uh, no EJ this week once again, but Filkins and Farrell, can they play that role? Can they keep the, the Washington State defense guessing? We'll see. We'll see. Critical game, man. Critical game. You heard, you heard Caillou Blue Kelly uh, tell us about it. Big difference between four and three. And three and four. And for Stanford, they especially want to get that fourth win and head into the bye week feeling good. Get refreshed and then get prepared for the home stretch, the final five games of the regular season. I cannot believe that this is already the game, the seventh game of the year. Where, where did the last few weeks go? <laughs> Holy cow, man. <laughs> but uh, should be fun. And, again, if, if we see things that we've never quite seen before, you know what? That's just what happens when the Cardinal meet the Cougs. I always appreciate your 
thoughts and your feedback on the show. Hashtag TreeCast via Twitter is the best way to uh, share your thoughts on Stanford football. And hey, even Stanford men's hoops as well. And women's hoops too. What you got? Hit me up at TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast, I should say. Nah, we'll, we'll just say we're, we're not going to do an at TreeCast. We won't give it its, its own account. Uh, hashtag TreeCast is uh, the best way for me to see your thoughts on uh, what you have on your mind. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app. And uh, whenever these shows are ready, we'll come at you twice a week during the regular season for football. Uh, probably just one show next week during the bye week. Uh, but uh, outside of that, we come at you twice a week, and when those shows are ready, they'll be right there. All you got to do is tap in. It's a beautiful thing. So subscribe to the show, rate and review the show, and uh, share the show as well. Tell folks about it. Always appreciate it when you do that. Hitting the road and heading up to Pullman. <laughs> been a while since I've been up there. I- I've said this before. I actually like being in Pullman. Getting there is a chore. Getting out of there is a bit of a hassle, too. But once you're actually in Pullman, it's not a bad spot to be in. That being said, hopefully I'm making that drive back up to Spokane on a Saturday evening, having just witnessed a Cardinal win. We will break it all down for you. Hopefully get an exclusive interview, or perhaps two, while we are in postgame mode on the Palouse. So we'll talk to you. At some point on Sunday, can't wait for that, as we'll tell you everything that you need to know about uh, the result between Stanford and Washington State. Special thanks to our special guests for this episode, Stanford men's basketball head coach Jared Haas and Stanford cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly. Great to chat with those two guys. Biggest thanks, of course, goes out to you as always for checking out the show and being a part of the program. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. We'll talk to you next time. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Back the pack. And most importantly, back the vac. Talk to you Sunday on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.